Before the reading of Scripture, let us pray. Holy God, send your Spirit upon us all to be our teacher and guide, that the word that you speak to your church today may truly illumine us within, that we may know whose we are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our reading is from the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, the story of the healing of blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming by, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him, Be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabuni, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. A couple more verses from the book of Romans, the the eighth chapter. 26 verse, the Spirit joins to help us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And the one who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee by faith before the world confessed, O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle while they in glory shine. The saints seem to have it pretty good. Triumphant in radiant light, they rise in bright array as God to glory calls them away. All we need to do is to make it through this murky, troubled life below, to join the countless host as they stream in from the ocean's farthest coast through the gates of pearl, achieving our angel wings and starry crowns along the way. That will be a glorious day. But wait, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Wallow in envy of those who have gone on before us? What did those saints do anyway to earn release from this world of woe? Nothing. They did nothing. Nothing to earn their status as saint, that is. This is what God has done. God has made them and us holy. Holy in Jesus Christ. Saint merely means holy. 
And what does holy mean? It means whole, complete, restored, and this restoration has a hint of divine perfection about it. For those who were made in the image of God have had the image, that image, restored in them. And this is the promise for all the saints. We are but to ask when Jesus says, what do you want? Last Sunday was All Hallows' Eve, or as we know it, Halloween. The evening before All Hallows' Day, or All Saints' Day, a day to remember all the saints, all the hallowed ones, all of them. Now, this could take some time, so give me a moment here. Let's see, there's Paul and Barnabas, Mark and Luke, and then there's Teresa and John and Mechtilde and Hildegard and Francis and Catherine and Euthemius and Cyril and Athanasius and uh, see, Theophilus and Alred and Benedict and Cuthbert and Gilbert and Clotilda and Radegunda and Bernard and then Joan and Ambrose and Hilary and Edith and Gregory and Theophylactus and Bridget and Epiphanatius and Stanislaus and Olga and Margaret and Eusebius. I think I've got them all. Oh, yes. And then there's St. George. There really was a St. George, and he was from Cappadocia. His father's name was Gerontius, but his friends probably called him Jerry. And his mother's name was Polychronia, but his friends probably called her Polly. George, before he was a saint, was a Roman soldier, and he was sentenced to death by the military for, not, for refusing to recant his faith in Jesus. And he died in the year of our Lord, 303. There is another Saint George. His mother's name was Elnora, but her friends just called her Nori. And his father's name was... His father's name was Warren, but his friends and family called him Stubb. This George was from upstate New York, and he died in the year of our Lord, 2021. Last Sunday, All Hallows' Eve, would have been George's 83rd birthday. He was my father. <laughs> Last Sunday, as we as a family celebrated his birthday, we looked at a thousand slides that he had taken. And at the end of that, my mother handed each of us kids something that he had written. In the year of the Lord, our Lord, 2012, on All Hallows' Eve, at a Vespers service at the Sierra Vista United Methodist Church, St. George of Prospect, New York, preached the following sermon. My name is George Hegeman. I am a certified lay servant and a speaker, lay speaker for the United Methodist Church. Today, October 31st, is my birthday. I was born on Halloween in 1938. It was an interesting day to be born. October 31, 1938, the night of my birth, was the night that Orson Welles broadcast the War of the Worlds <laughs> over the radio from New York City. My mother said she remembered that broadcast, and I don't know, I don't know what she was doing listening to the radio when she was supposed to be giving birth to me. <laughs> but she says she remembers it. 
The radio play was told as if it were an ongoing flash news story from New York about Martian spaceships landing everywhere in the area around New York City and New Jersey and in New England, and each ship held a giant Martian that would either kill people by squeezing them with their octopus-like tentacles or just eating them up. <laughs> Folks thought that Martians, the Martian stories were real and that people were being massacred everywhere. And people panicked all over the Northeast and they created tremendous traffic jams trying to get out of New York and the other big cities to escape the Martians. And meanwhile, the United States was still locked in the midst of a Great Depression and millions of people were out of work. The president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, instituted many programs to fight the Great Depression, including the Civil Conservation Corps or the CCC, to put young men to work and get money back into circulation. My father, Stubb, was one of those young men employed by the CCC. He served on a work gang of young men who rooted out wild gooseberry bushes from New York State's forests to eliminate white pine rust which was destroying the forests. My dad also worked on the CCC crews, work crews that built Adirondack lean-tos along the wilderness trails in the Adirondacks and along the New York State canoe waters. Three times, first as a Boy Scout, then later Connie and I, and then later still our family of six canoed the 125 miles of the Fulton chain of lakes in upstate New York and slept in some of those Adirondack lean-tos. Later, Karen, my youngest daughter, and I saw Adirondack lean-tos while hiking through the, the Appalachian Trail from Connecticut to Vermont across Massachusetts. Now, despite President Roosevelt's heroic efforts, the United States remained locked in the Great Depression when I was born in 1938. It had started with the stock, crash, stock market crash in 1929, and it took Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941, and World War II wartime preparations and, and productions to cure the Great Depression. World War II helped my family also. My father worked for the Savage Arm Corporation as a machinist, making 50 caliber machine guns. I loved having my birthday on Halloween. I got to go trick-or-treating by myself and my mother organized Halloween birthday parties for me, invited all my classmates and the neighborhood kids and everybody would come in costume. My birthday parties were held in the evening because it was Halloween. They were the only kids' birthday parties to be held after dark, and we loved them. <laughs> we could always find good hiding places when we played hide-and-seek outside in the dark, and the weather in the 1940s must have been milder then than now because most Halloween evenings were warm. My favorite birthday dessert then and now was pumpkin pie, though I've been known to eat birthday cake. His favorite was his mother Nori's chocolate mayonnaise cake. When I was seven or eight, my father gave me a sparkling noon daisy level action BB gun for my birthday. It was just what I wanted. Lastly, I'm 74 tonight. I became a Christian when I was 37. Before that, I just attended church. Oh, I was an usher, helped with the youth, helped with the, a Vietnamese family that our church sponsored worked on committees, and so forth. But I don't think I ever really believed. That means tonight I've been a Christian for half of my life. My scripture tonight is Mark 10, 46 to 52, the story of blind Bartimaeus. 
And here's the situation. Jesus had been traveling towards Jerusalem since Caesarea, uh, since Caesarea when Peter answered the question, uh, who do you say that I am with you are the Messiah? Bartimaeus, though, didn't obey Jesus' command after he had been healed to go. Instead, he followed Jesus to Jerusalem like a disciple after he regained his sight. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed them. When Bartimaeus heard the commotion and learned Jesus was there, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, shh, be quiet, Bartimaeus. We, we can't hear. But Bartimaeus kept shouting, son of David, have mercy on me. Mark says, Jesus stood still and said, call him here. All of a sudden, the blind man who had been sitting in the dirt at the edge of the road found himself pulled onto center stage. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That's a great question. How would you answer if Jesus were to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? A guru once said, if you, Americans, came face to face with God, you'd ask him for a Chevrolet. Now, I don't care much for gurus. <laughs> They're not my cup of tea, but if I'd have to admit he got that one right, at least for some of us, if you came face to face with God, you'd ask him for a Chevrolet. What he meant was that we are inclined to make too little of God, too little of Jesus. Instead of asking Jesus to change our lives, we would instead ask him to give us a better ride. For many people, maybe that's true. But it wasn't true for the blind man. When Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man answered without hesitation, Rabuni, teacher, let me see again. That was a request for Jesus to give him a new life, to restore his soul. So Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. And Mark tells us, immediately the blind man regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. On the way to where? On the way to Jerusalem. Jericho is just a few miles from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is where Jesus was heading for quite some time. Jerusalem is where Jesus will die. After Jesus gave him new eyes, Bartimaeus began to follow Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the cross. Now my wife always asks, what is the message of your sermon, George? My answer is this. Know what you want and be ready when Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Don't hesitate. Be ready as blind Bartimaeus was to answer and respond by saying, Lord, show me the way. Let me see. Remove the blinders from my eyes. Let me see the world as you see it. Let me see your vision for my life. Let me see what you would have me do and how you would have me to live. Lord, I want to see. And this is where George says, Amen. Well, there you have it. St. George of Prospect, New York's Sermon on Blind Bartimaeus. How would I dare to call my own father a saint? Well, it's not because he was perfect. He wasn't. It's not became, because he became a preacher late in life. 
having served as a civilian working for the military for decades. It wasn't that he became a Christian when he was 37, discovering the grounding of faith for why he attended church, ushered on Sundays, helped with the youth, served on committees, and sponsored refugees in his midst. He was a saint because God made him so. God made him holy, made him whole, that is, because in great love through Jesus Christ, God restored George's soul, that is, his whole being. And then as a saint, a holy one, God made George's life possible. He knew, he knew what to pray for. And when he didn't, as a saint, God's spirit would search his heart and mind and intercede on his behalf before God so that God would prosper the living of his days that is the hallowing of his life. We heard earlier from the eighth chapter of Romans about the spirit interceding for the saints, for the hallowed ones. And after those two verses, the apostle Paul tells us more what it means to be a saint and how God equips us for the living of these days here on planet Earth at ground zero in the midst of the mayhem. We all know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn in a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Did you hear all the way that the saints are described? Those who love God, those who are called by God for God's purpose, those whom God has known from the beginning of time, those whom God has reformed in the image of Christ, those whom God has made family, a very large family, those whom God has called, justified, and glorified. Imagine the saints are more than conquerors, those who have persevered in, persevered in the race of this life, those who neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor anything that the cosmos throws at them can be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is quite a list for the saints. And these are not qualifications as if we're going to show up at the pearly gates with our resume and God says, checks the boxes and says, all right, you can come on in as we are begging to join the marching band of saints crowding to get into heaven through those pearly gates. This is what God has done for us, for all the saints, for those who love God. Yes, this is for all the saints, imperfect as they were, imperfect as we are. God has made them and us holy, hallowed, whole, Hail, healed, and restored. So when Jesus comes a calling, 
and asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Be ready to answer. Make me a saint. Not, not necessarily one like Mechtilda or Theophylactus, but like those early followers of Jesus to whom Paul wrote to encourage them in their saintliness. Make me whole. You're already God's holy ones, sisters and brothers. God has made you and made you whole. Do not fear the chaos of this world. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. God's provision is for all the saints, all of them, all of us. Thanks be to God for the way that we can witness what God has done for the saints who have gone on before us. Thanks be to God for what God will do for all the saints who come after us. And thanks be to God for how God equips us saints here and now. Thanks be to God. Amen.